Hey, welcome to Reluctantly Graceful, the podcast. We're back at it again for another episode. I'm your host, Brittany. Oh, and I'm Stephanie. Thank you for remembering who you are. I'm, you know, I'm, it happens sometimes. I'm glad you did this time. Um, so let's talk about boundaries this week. That's what we're going to talk about. As we were prepping for the recording of this episode, we, we couldn't remember the thing that made us incredibly passionate about this topic specifically. And then we started talking about it. And then we had to pause our conversation so that we could record because that was where we were passionate about, um, where our passions were remembered um, and we were reminded of them. I am passionate about boundaries in general because otherwise people do ridiculous things that set you off and they have no idea that they're doing these things that are setting you off because they don't know that it's a boundary that's been crossed. That's where I'm passionate about them. I also have a lot, a lot, a lot of boundaries. You do. I, I have boundaries about a lot of things. Um, some of them are very ridiculous, but they're important to me, but they're ridiculous. And I can acknowledge and recognize that they are ridiculous. But some of the other ones are not. One of my strangest boundaries that I've had to let go of is I don't like people knowing my address. And not because people are going to show up at my house or, or I'm afraid that people are going to show up at my house. Or I'm afraid of those types of things. I, it's just it's a boundary line that I have. Very few people had my address and then I had surgery and people wanted to visit or they wanted to show their support and encouragement, which resulted in people not having my address. I'm okay with it now. Are you though? I'm more okay with it than I was before. (laughs) I can say that. I'm more okay with it than I was before. I've never seen so many people in your house before. That goes back though to the fact that if there are more than three people in a space, I think it's, it's a very overwhelming environment for me personally and so i keep those numbers very limited but i am an excellent host when i am not sick and recovering from major surgery i am an excellent host so if people do want to come to my house bring your own coffee because i i don't have a coffee maker bring your own tea as well because i don't have a teapot oh my god <laughs> but i have more than enough water i have more than enough and water oatmeal. and oatmeal i have more than enough water and oatmeal um that that can support everyone's needs um but i am a, aside from that i am a good host i am a good host my mom did raise me to be a good host so i am a good host you are a good host i prefer small small intimate settings when it comes to relationships. Can we, can we not use the word intimate when you talk about hosting? Because up until your surgery, I was the only person that you ever really hosted. <laughs> well, that's not true. Alex, I hosted Alex. Alex would come to my house and visit. Okay, but not as often. She'd been I here like. at least four times before I had surgery. But you are right. Only you and Alex have come to my house. <laughs> there have been other people that have stopped by and visited. There are other people Ron. that have been stopped by. Ron and Fran it. don't count. Not counting Ron. You're right. They don't count. Not counting Ron and Fran. Not counting Ron and Fran. Yeah, here I am, like, going to bed with my doors open and unlocked and not knowing it. And everybody Posting has your address. Groups and parties and bonfires. Right. And everyone has your address. So that's... Yeah, but also, like... Not everyone has my address because I remember when I moved in, my dad posted a picture and you could clearly see the number on my house. But then in his post, he put what street I live on. And I was like, yeah, you need to take that down. Oh, wow. like people go and piece the two together. And I don't need strangers knowing like they were coming. my address. They were coming. He, he got some crazy people on Facebook. I'm sorry if you're one of his Facebook friends. 
um, and you're listening to this, um, it's not personal. That That's all I'm going to say. It's not personal. We just are able to acknowledge that sometimes some people have it have a greater grasp and understanding on the social norms and the norms of life in general than others. Yes, and I do not need someone just randomly showing up like, hey, I came to visit for a week. You got for a spare a bedroom, week. right? For a week. Wow. Yeah, well, man. That's... If you're driving eight hours to come visit me, you're going to stay for more than one night. When it comes to visits, my personal boundary when it comes to visits, if you are driving more than an hour and a half, I need at least a week's notice. You can't just show up on my doorstep. Unless it's yes. an emergency. If there's an emergency situation, then my house is always welcome. You can text me and say, I'm in a crazy situation. I need shelter. I need water and oatmeal. And I will say, come. And we will figure that out. Or you can just text me and I'll give you the code to her garage door. <laughs> also, she you could text that and she will give you the code the code to my garage door that does not work at the moment so i'm not really sure how far that would get you but you could try um you could try that is a that is a thing anyways boundaries but boundaries i we, think we gonna, we gonna get off task really quickly like we always do always but i think boundaries they're just they're so important they provide structure to a lot of things and without having an understanding of people's boundaries whether it's a romantic relationship a friendship a work dynamic there's no, there's no way to know if you're offending someone, if someone is happy in that relationship and that dynamic, because you haven't established a base, obviously outside of respect and, and decency and having open communication. If you're not having those conversations on a deeper level of this is a boundary for me, this is why, then it just leaves everything wide open. And with everything wide open, People do some very ridiculous and crazy things that might be normal to them, but aren't normal to other people. The ocean has a boundary. We don't get upset at the boundary that the ocean has. For me, the important thing that you talked about just now is like the communication aspect of it. Like, cause you know, I'm huge on communication. Like if you don't tell me that's a boundary, then I don't feel like you have a right to get angry that first time. Because you did not write a line. Mm. You didn't put a line in the sand and say, hey, don't cross this line. You know, like, so I think I have free reign. Let's just have a great time. And the New Yorker in me is a lot more sarcastic than most people are where I'm currently at. <laughs> that is true. That is true. That's so very true. I, I always end up crossing those lines because people haven't defined their line for me. So even though I'm more of an introvert and I sit back and I learn other people first, there are still times where I'm like, all right, we're good friends. I'm going to treat you like a good friend and I'm going to make fun of you because that's how I show my love. And that could go into a whole other conversation. Yes. But like at the end of the day, like the sarcasm is that's just part of who I am. And until you say, hey, that's not cool. Or you say, hey, that's kind of like the line for me. I don't know that's a boundary I can't cross. Because if I don't know there's a boundary there, I'm, how can I say I'm not crossing it? Because there's nothing for me to cross. I don't know what's there. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. I think that makes sense. But I also view it like 
from my point of view of if, if I don't communicate my boundary, which is where, like, I think you and I are completely different. You're like, oh, no, that person crossed the boundary. You need to kick them out of your life. They have no place. They have no room. They need to go six feet under right now. I will take care of it. I got your back. Let's set a fire and plant some flowers. Like <laughs> It's not always that extreme, but yes. In part, though, I think, yes, that is that is a reality. That is oftentimes my response. The thing that I have to remember is mm-hmm. I know your boundaries and I know you extremely well. And when there's a new boundary that we haven't experienced or established that needs to be established in our relationship, like we oftentimes say our friendship just leveled up. We've gotten to a higher level of friendship because now we've learned something that we didn't know before. Yeah. When people offend you or cross your boundaries, from a personal lens, I'm looking at it as I know all their her boundaries. Why are they not able to pick up on those things? And I have to realize that some boundaries are not for everybody to know and to understand. I think the the dynamic that our relationship is, we know each other's boundaries for people, for places, for things, for each other, for other people. True. But they don't always know those things because it, which I think is where some of the not challenges. Not everyone has leveled up. Not everyone has leveled up. Yeah. Not everyone has, which has reached the bonus I, level. That's why we're a good duo though, because I'm more of the grace-filled like oh well I should have communicated that to them like I guess I didn't communicate that but you're always ready to to go you cross the line you gotta go I'm sorry you you no. can't you can't you got one chance and after that one chance you're done which and I'm, I'm like oh well that was kind of my fault I should have I should have communicated it better or communicated it and you're like nah you communicated it shouldn't need to be spelled out <laughs> and i and i think that okay so you bring up i was going to say like that's a valid point i think sometimes there are some boundaries that we might not always have an explanation for we might just be able to say this is my boundary this is this this environment or this type of situation makes me uncomfortable mm-hmm. some things we don't have to explain why it's great if we're able to, but some things we might not even have words to describe or to explain. I, I can't explain or tell you why this is a thing. This is just a thing for me right now, um, yeah. which is great. If that is a dynamic and that established relationship, oftentimes, though, our boundaries come across to other people because they don't think it's a big deal or they might not have experienced some of the things that we've experienced in life. They're looking at them wondering, what is wrong with you? It's not that deep. It's not that serious. And we still don't have words to explain why it is that serious, or it might not be the appropriate time or place to describe why it is that experience. And as a result, we end up in these unbalanced relationships where we've been vulnerable enough to say, this is an about, this is a boundary. This makes me uncomfortable. I'm not at a place that I'm ready to talk about it, but it is still a thing that I would prefer not to experience or not to exist or it not to show up. And then if we're met with that criticism, from my perspective, that says to me, okay, this might not be the best relationship for me. Because if you're going to question things that I am not able to explain just yet, but I'm working on being able to explain it, I'm wondering then if you, how you're going to react and respond if I am able to explain it. Are you going to try to persuade me to change my boundary line? Are you going to try to persuade me to that it's dumb or it's stupid or it doesn't make sense or that shouldn't be a thing, which internally then causes us to justify like is this right should i and then we become more defensive mm-hmm. or we just let the the boundary go all together and we just walk away from it and then we're frustrated 
still existing in that same relationship space, but our needs are not being met. And it's, it's frustrating. Well, and that like, even your viewpoint from the beginning of the ocean has boundaries, like nature has boundaries. It's natural for us to have boundaries. Like we have work boundaries. Most people only work a nine to five. Like, hey, I'm on the clock these hours and I'm off. Like, that's a boundary. Bless to work to boundary. all who work a nine to five. Appreciate them. Yes. That or like the boundary of sleep or the boundary of this is my house. So I'm locking the door. <laughs> like no one's allowed boundary. in. Right. You know, um, and just like that aspect where even like in our lives, you know, parents have boundaries with kids and it's always to protect you from getting burned. Like, hey, don't touch the grill. That's hot. Don't touch the stove. That's hot. You're going to get hurt. Like that's a boundary. It is. But it's set up for protection. Like, and I think a lot of times in the world today, people see boundaries as a bad thing when in reality, like boundaries are there to protect people and to keep people in a healthy relationship. I agree. And I think social media, as you were talking about that, I started to think like, when did it become a thing where boundaries became so irritating and we felt as though they became more stifling than they were liberating? And I think social media, the evolution of social media, you can document every aspect of your life in photos and in like quick reels in a variety of different ways that allow people to see aspects of you that they otherwise would not have. And then you put up this boundary. And all of a sudden, it's almost as if, well, I'm saying you can see all of these other things, but you can't see like the finite details. Or you can see all of these things, but don't talk to me about them. You can just watch them and experience them, but don't have any questions. Yeah. And it throws a, a level of confusion into a variety of different things. A variety of different things. I think I post more on social media now than I ever have. You do. And I don't even post a lot. But I post I now more than I ever but have. But even when you do post, it's like... Normally, it's stuff that other people post. Like, it's nothing super personal for you. Like, that is, for the most part, there have been... For the most part. There have been an exception. There's, for the most part, though. Yeah. Most of it isn't, like, your deep, darkest inner thoughts. <laughs> no, I save those th- like, for my therapist. You know, like, sometimes people only post the happy things. Other times, people post the sad things. And then there's, like, this in-between of, like, well, we just want to be authentic on social media. But if you're willing to post something on social media, but then not talk about it face-to-face with someone, are you actually being authentic? Right. Which I think is a, it's a valid question. I think it's a valid question. I think it's a, a question that COVID has created an even more challenging answer for. Prior to COVID, it I honestly don't even remember what life was prior to COVID. It was confusion. <laughs> it was just mass confusion. I feel as though I personally have more clarity and direction and purpose and movement than I did prior to COVID. But that's the thing, though, is I think that people being stuck in their houses being stuck with people, family members, people that they live with, whoever it is they live with, like, 
you're forced to create boundaries, whether it's I need an hour of quiet time a day, so I'm going to shut my door and you need to leave me alone or what? Like at the end of the day, people were crossing boundaries. People were finding out the secrets like, oh, the secrets. (laughs) They were. They were. It created it just it created an environment to where you were hypersensitive to the people that you live with, the people that are you're surrounded by. Like, I mean, it's different for me. I lived alone. I still live alone. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> I'm not sure either, but it's okay. Just live here with my plants that, you know, need to go outside, but it's fine. But they, they're, they're doing great. So that's, they're, that's they're growing. They're growing. They're growing. They're growing. They're thriving. They're green. But like a lot of people during COVID struggled with those relationships because they had to redefine boundaries or they had to define boundaries in the first place that they never had to do before. Right. You know, which I I mean, I agree. That's my viewpoint from the outside, because like I said, I lived alone for most of COVID. And so as someone who did not live alone during COVID. But now lives alone. I think it's it, that, that your take and perception is accurate. Your take. Well, and, and that's as much as I live alone, I still talk to people like I wasn't one of the shut ins that cut off communication with the world because I couldn't see them face to face, you know. So like just from from my experiences of hearing other friends in my life and other people like talk about it, it was always that. Whereas like. I'm good. Like for me, COVID was amazing. Like I got to work from home. I got promoted. I got to work from home. Like that you've said now twice. So congratulations. I I like got a great salary bonus when I got promoted. Like it for, for me, COVID was great because it allowed me the time to just sit. Whereas before I was always going. I always had stuff to do. You did. Which is true. I mean, I, yeah. But it gave me the chance to slow down and say, all right, what's really important? Like, where where do I need to draw lines on things? Right. I appreciated COVID for the fact of it exposed things in me that I had established some crazy ridiculous boundaries for my life I had established some very unhealthy and unrealistic expectations for where I thought my life should be going what I thought should be happening in my life what I thought shouldn't be happening in my life and it wasn't until I got to the other side of that that I realized that because of the boundaries that I had put in place which some of them had a very had an appropriate and a valid purpose during that season But because of that, I had limited so much of my life and so much of my potential was structured around these boundaries that I had established that I thought at the time were purposeful. I thought they were beneficial and they really weren't like they were damaging in in a lot of ways. Um, Thankfully, they were able I was able to recognize that and see that and make some very much needed adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. Some very much, but I I do I think I agree with you. I think 
COVID on top of social media has created a world and a dynamic where boundaries appear as though they are these stifling and limiting expectations that people have for relationships when in all actuality they are the freedom that allow relationships to thrive yeah and i mean even from like a biblical perspective like god gave adam and eve boundaries in the garden and look what they did they broke them because of their boundaries you know like that's true and there was another bible story in my head i i just lost it but you brought up Adam and Eve, which we've we, I've said this this to you a couple of times in the past couple of weeks. But because of their sin and them breaking those boundaries, we now have to work jobs that we might not necessarily want to work. I love my job, so I'm not I'm not you saying were, that you were so angry about that when we were talking about it. <laughs> I was I was so I was so frustrated in that moment. I love my job though, so I'm not saying that to to say that I hate my job. But think about it from the lens and the perspective of had those boundaries been respected had those boundaries been followed we don't even know what life would look like at this point because a lot of the things that we experience in life are because of the fall of adam and eve because of that yeah and i think if we look at biblically boundaries give structure for freedom they do they give structure that's like for the other scripture i was thinking about was like the guarding your hearts like that is a boundary that we've been given like yeah you can obey or disobey it but for me like I've seen a lot of people who don't guard their heart and they don't have that boundary up and it's just like they meet a person and every emotion from their entire life spills out in one moment and then it's like you feel the pressure to hold this person's heart in your hand yes and it's like well what do I do with this now like, because I guarded my heart, but clearly they're not guarding theirs and they just went in deep. And you're like, I don't know what to do with this now. Like, this shouldn't be my responsibility. I refer to people who do things like that as emotional terrorists. Like, you do not. I know it sounds ridiculous. We can't be saying that word. I'm sorry. Oh it's, my but God. It's, it's the reality, though. Think of, put it, if you think about it in context, right? Think about it in the context of there are people who don't guard their heart. There are people who don't have relationship boundaries. There are people who don't have emotional boundaries. They walk into a situation. Someone says, Good morning. Hello. How was your day? How are you doing? And they spill the contents of everything that they have been holding on for dear life for the past two weeks, two months, two years, sometimes decades. And you're mm-hmm. left and they're you're left sitting in the wreckage of everything that they just divulged without having an established relationship, without having established community or rapport. And then they're just like, all right, I feel so much better now. I'm sure you do, because you all of this has been hanging inside of you. So I'm 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 glad you feel better. I I do not. So I'm gonna go to my therapist's office now for weeks on end to talk about this and it doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> but I now have to process the wounds that you experience because the manner in which you let them loose. You didn't let yeah. them loose in a in a healthy way or in a healthy environment. Um and it's it's interesting. One of the phrases I've been saying recently um to people is wow, you have really big feelings. Um the space in which you share those feelings is not big enough to house them. So you need to find an appropriate 
place to house your feelings. I, I am not the place that's going to hold your feelings. When it's unexpected. Now, if we have scheduled time, especially at work with my students, if we have scheduled time, we can sit down. Then I'm in a place that I can, we can work through those things. But for people who just walk into spaces and I'm, I'm like, wow, well, those, those feelings are big. Um, this space is really small. So there's a mismatch of dynamics that exist in this moment. You got to figure out what to do with them. I can help guide you in that direction, but this space and this environment is not that place. For yeah. me, emotional boundaries, emotional and physical boundaries are probably the biggest two that I have. Those, they're probably the biggest two. I need people to I know emotionally what your limitations are, what I can hold for you, what I cannot hold for you. And um, physically, I need you to understand that I'm not a hug person. I'm not. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm just not. That is, in essence, the entire boundary. I am not a hug person. Please don't run up to me and say, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you forever. I'm, I'm just I'm not a hug person. Now, I have gotten better at being a hugger. I have gotten have. better at being in that environment and being in that space, but it, it's very uncomfortable for me at, at a lot of times, especially if people are coming in my direction and I'm thinking, oh no, this looks like a hug posture. Oh gosh, is this, I don't know. And then it happens and I'm like, oh gosh, here we are and we're here and you're still hanging on and my arms are limp by my side and I'm about to curl up into an armadillo shell and just go really hard and limp and just fall to the ground. And you're going to go with me if you don't like, oh, please like, oh. That that is literally the fourteen year old version of Stephanie. Like that was teenage Stephanie. I'm glad you're no longer there. There is hope that I will I will no longer be there. There, there is hope that you will get better. I I'm um, okay. If that, it can happen for me, it can happen for you. I'm okay with that being a boundary at this stage of my life. I think it is very healthy. But I do I do. There are people that I do hug. I. And there are people Very that I hug. Few people, and most of those people are like children. No, there's some adults on that list. There's not many, but there are some. <laughs> I wish people could see my face right now. <laughs> there aren't the many. You looked at my face and responded. <laughs> there aren't many, but there are some. I will say this much though, and th this is like, this is 100 percent genuine. And it caught me off guard when it happened. I think I texted sitting you a text if it wasn't you it was definitely my dad because he loves to point out how anti-hug I am um because none of his other children are that way his family's not that way my mom's side of the family is not that way it is me the lone soldier that's out here like ah, no I'm okay please don't like I've perfected the art of knowing how to avoid environments where a hug might be needed um oh I know I but I went stories. to <laughs> I went to Arkansas um, about a little over a month ago. And the woman who was running the event, she was there and, and I had, I'd met her before. So this wasn't like the first time that I had met her and she hugged me and I, I willingly walked into that hug. I knew that it was coming and I willingly walked into that space. And I, I remember thinking afterwards, I'm like, wow, it felt so nice to hug someone. Like it, it felt really nice. I think I, I think it was my dad. I think I sent Ron a text and said, Hey, I just willingly hugged someone and I didn't die. And they're still living. I think this might be turning around. He laughed and he said, once doesn't make you a hugger, Brittany. We have to see how long this continues to be a thing. Said, okay. Good. Mm -hmm. Glad to know. But I, it is something that I've gotten a lot better at being able to accept and to receive. 
in hindsight, now that we're talking about this out loud, I'm sure that I've figured out the reason as to why I've been anti-hug, but that's a different episode for another day. Oh, gosh. I do remember, though, with our little adventure when you came back from Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) It was an adventure. There's not many people that I would leave my house at, what, 1030 p.m. at night to drive an hour to pick you up to drive another hour to get my car to continue in the opposite direction. (laughs) But then we eventually (laughs) made it back to then drive the two hours back. Like that was an exhausting night. But I do remember you telling me how you were hugging people and you were like. How I think they had said, one of them said, like, you were just, you give the best hugs or something like that. And you were like, clearly she did not hear from God. (laughs) (laughs) If only she knew. (laughs) And I remember just being like, oh, Freddie's going to be a hugger. So here, here's the interesting thing. (laughs) The things that I have extreme boundaries surrounding is not because I'm not good at them. There's just an element of it that makes me uncomfortable. I am a, I do give good hugs. I am a good hugger. I wouldn't know. Every time you've hugged me, it's like a very awkward hug because you're like, I feel like I'm forced to give you a hug because you're a huggy person. It's not. <laughs> and by all the hugs, I mean all four times. I mean, it's been like four what, times. It's not. Years. <laughs> it's not awkward because of that. It's awkward because in my mind, I'm saying to myself, I cannot let this hug be a failure because she is such a hug person. Like I cannot fail this hug. And then it, it ends up failing and then some. It ends but, up failing and then but some. But it's not normally just you because normally I'm just so shocked that you're like, I'm going to hug you now. I'm like, oh my God, it's so weird. She's hugging me. And then normally something is said at that interview and, and it's just awkward. I always, I always say something and you're like, now you just made it weird. Like, I'm, I'm trying to be a normal person in this situ- I've just, situation. I've just and... gotten used to Brittany who doesn't hug. So when you do hug, it's like, oh. That's fair. She must, like, for a time it was like, she must know she's dying. <laughs> <laughs> because you know how, like, people say that, like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> nah, like, because. For a time, you were like, I'm fine, I'm fine. But then you were, like, in the hospital every other week. And you're like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I feel great. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand this. But, like, every time that I would come (laughs) visit you after one of those times, that's always when you gave me a hug was, like, after you had been in the hospital. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I apologize. That process is, like, you... Like, people, I feel like people, there's so many stories I've heard of, like, people having a feeling that they, they're going to die. So, like, they start to, like, do something different out of their character because whether it's, like, they're trying to set up their spouse in a better position or they're just, like, telling people they love them more, like, cherishing the moment type of thing. So, like, it was a thought of, like, huh. Wow. Interesting. She just gave me a hug, but like she almost died like two times in the last month. I, I'm going to take this moment to publicly <laughs> apologize for the emotional terrorism <laughs> that that was, because I can only imagine you were not lying about any of the things that you just shared, except for the fact I never thought that I was going to die. Exactly. And I do I, feel like I never thought if it. you had thought that you would have 
expressed it because you were always on the train of like, I mean, we talked about it. Like you met somebody at my house virtually, not yes. going to names, yes. you know? Yes, I did. I did. And they and you fictionally the killed me. <laughs> you were in the hospital when we were FaceTiming and her response was, Oh, well, I hope that God heals her, but at least his will will be done, even if she doesn't yes. live. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, no, like, Brittany knows, like, at the deepest level in her relationship with God, like, this is not the end. Like, she's going to get a liver. She's going to come through. Something's going to work out. Like, there was, there was never any doubt. Never. It never crossed my mind. I know. But I apologize. But, but it crossed my mind the one time that you gave me a hug after. And I was just like, and then I, you know, I overthink in the car and I had a three and a half hour car ride home. Oh my goodness. To like ponder about how you just gave me a hug. You, you might have a chocolate gift basket at your house at some point <laughs> this week because that, that is, wow. I never... I genuinely never made that connection or never had that thought. I It just it, so happened. It clearly wasn't like a lasting thought in my head, but it was a thought. I wonder, though, you bring up a very valid point. I'm going to connect this back to our conversation about boundaries. People, we have not gone off the rails. I mean, we have. We do all I the mean, time. We have. But there, there's a, there is a process and a theme in some way, shape, or form to our unscripted conversation. Welcome, welcome to the friendship. <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome. Pull up a seat. I hope you're comfortable. Um, but I wonder, I wonder how many people are unintentionally, emotionally dumping or, or violating people's boundaries and not intentional. Obviously, you know, you know yeah. those people who do it on purpose, who think, yep. well, that's dumb, and they do it anyway. I do that at times at work when I'm looking at a situation and I'm like, that does not make sense. We're going to do this instead. Um, never violating people's personal boundaries or anything like that, but just like in approaching mm -hmm. a problem or trying to problem solve or trying to triage the situation. I tend to just like step in and take charge. I'm like, we're going to do this. This is what's happening. This is, these are all the assignments. It does create some unique dynamics at times, but I wonder how often Clearly, me trying to like be a better person in this evolution of life and just saying, I'm going to hug her this time and having no correlation or connection to the other experiences or to what someone else was experienced was on some level slightly traumatic. It was slightly traumatic, but it was never intentional. But I wonder how many times people are offended by things in a moment or in an experience or in a situation and maybe don't even recognize that that was a boundary that they had or that existed. And then now they're creating one in that moment because that moment creates an opportunity or a moment to say, time out, like flag on the play. We need to press pause. I'm uncomfortable in this environment. I have just realized I need to establish a boundary in this moment. That can be very hard in the midst of going through a situation, in the midst of trying to establish a relationship or a relationship that's already been established. I wonder how often that happens where people accidentally do that. I think it happens a lot, like at least in the church world, because I mean, I've worked in a church and I've worked in the world, you know, like, but I can say that in both places, 
people were very open after a while, you know, like it's not necessarily you learn people's boundaries, but you learn how people talk. Right. So a lot of times if you're very expressive and open with your feelings, the other person's going to be very open with their feelings and expressive. But there's also those people that just have that calming presence of, of not necessarily knowing how to handle it, but people know that they feel better talking to that person, you know? Yes. So, so that person then gets dumped on because they just have that personal personality character trait. I don't, I don't know what I would call it. Um, but I, I think, think it's a, I think what? it's a spiritual gift. I don't think it's a personality trait. I think it's a spiritual gift. We might have to add that to the list of things. We'll to have to add that to the list. I spiritual think, gifts. I think there is a quality that some people have that they can sit in the tension and hold the weight of uncomfortable and challenging and pain and grief and struggles of people. And it, if it's happening in the in the church and happening in a relationship or a dynamic where there is that spiritual foundation that's established and it's it's a mutual understanding. I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, and I'm coming to you saying, can you carve out some time for me to talk about these things? I think some people have the ability to sit there and soak it up and to not carry that weight or to bear that burden. But so that, but that's the thing is you're saying they're going to someone and saying, can we talk? Yes. This is not and the that's people like, who just that's the That's the, that's that's like the first thing that I'm learning just within the last few years of even like with my closest friends of before I just call and say, oh, my God, I'm having a horrible day, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yo, I'm having a struggle day. Like, do you have space for me to like, can I share it with you? You know, because sometimes you don't have the space. That's true. And like I went through a phase of. I am one of those people that I can sit there and sit in the tension of your pain. But I went through a phase where I was not in a healthy place to do that. You know, so you then had to ask. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I refer you to somebody else. You could call so-and-so or like we could talk, but you got 15 minutes. Thank like, you for the opportunity, but no, thank you. I can't handle, I can't handle more than 15 minutes right now. So like you got 15 minutes and then we can figure it out. But like just that aspect of having that boundary of being proactive, I guess, in that boundary of, Hey, do you have space for this? Yeah. Cause I don't want, if you're not having a good day and you're not prepared to pour out and feed me. Like, then why am I spilling out to you if you can't fill me back up? Yes. I'm not a therapist. I, I would rather you say, nah, but we could talk about it tomorrow. All right, cool. Let's talk about it tomorrow. Right. You know? And I think that's, I think that's good. I think it's also good to remember that boundaries change. All the time. They change. And so what could be a boundary now? Let me give a qualifying statement before I go into that a little more. If you are friends with someone and their boundaries are changing every day, sometimes twice a day, 
it might be a moment to step back and evaluate if this is a healthy relationship. Because if they're having to change that frequently, I personally would question the stability of both parties involved and the ground in which that relationship was established. Boundaries shouldn't be changing every single day. Um, However, I do think we need to give people room and grace to allow boundaries to change. Some of the boundaries that I had established well early into my 20s are not the same boundaries I have now in my early 30s. They're they're just different. They're just different. And like that comes with life experience and meeting new people. And like, I think there's just a whole lot that goes into boundaries. And a greater understanding of yourself. I... And we've, we've talked about this and I've had this conversation with a few people physically on the outside. I look drastically different in 2022 than I did in 2021 in part because I had surgery and there was just a lot of just life things that were happening that made that disease that I had and needing a transplant just made me look different outside. I was off for three months and I came, went back to work and just went back into the world. Like I literally re-entered the world after being on hiatus for three months. Everyone's main focus was the physical appearance, which it was drastically different. I mean, it was drastically different. So I can understand why people were focused on that. For me, the biggest change that happened was internally with me just being a freer person emotionally, being a more confident person and working on the things during that time that I thought I had already dealt with. In my mind, I'm like, these are not big things. But during that three months of isolation, I'm like, oh, Jesus is saying, no, we got to go deeper. We got to, we got to clean the cobwebs out. We really have to, you really have to work to be released from this. Like you need to release the pain, the frustrations and all those things. And so I think a lot of the boundaries that I had in 2021 are different in 2022, but I also know myself differently. I know myself differently. Speaking of the cobwebs. I'm so terrified of spiders. That's that's not true. If you keep cleaning the cobwebs and you ain't killing that spider, the cobwebs are going to keep coming back. No, that is true, too. That Shout is true out too. to Carlos Whitaker. So if you need a good read. Kill the Spider. Kill the Spider by Carlos Whitaker. That was a good book. I read. You told me to read not that. Not a paid ad, but if Carlos wants to pay us, that's cool, too. <laughs> he won't. He won't. But, you know. <laughs> For like two seconds to talk about his book? Yeah, I don't think so. But... <laughs> that is it, that like you were talking about that in my mind immediately went back to that book because I remember I read that book. I think it was 2020 I read that book. It was 2020 or 2019. And I was like, Brittany, you gotta read this book. It was 2020. Yeah. Cause I was like, yo, this book like changed my life on the how you handle things and how you deal with things. Like, in so many times, we put up boundaries that aren't the right boundaries to put up. Yes. Because and then we, we wonder think why they we are. keep falling. Yep. Or why we keep getting, yielding the same results over and over and over again. Because mm-hmm. we don't have the established boundary with the established perspective and frame of mind as to what it is we need. Oftentimes, I say, um, I work with teenagers and they keep me busy. But oftentimes I say to them, what are you hoping to get out of this? If they're coming to me with a problem or concern or they're they're, we have to work through a challenging situation, 
I often have to say, what are you hoping, like, what is your desired outcome? And I always ask that up front. They tell me what the problem is. And before I even Mm -hmm. get deep into it, I'm like, okay, what is your desired outcome? What are you looking to happen? Because that structures the manner in which we have a conversation. If you're looking just to vent and get your feelings out, then great. Objective is already completed. If you're looking for there to be actionable, clear, identifiable steps, well, then there's a little more conversation that needs to be had. And then also, I think it sets them up to be able to understand and to adjust their expectations appropriately. Um, and I think it's it's the same for boundaries. What are you looking to accomplish with this established boundary? Is it safety? Is it clarity? Is it security? Is it peace of mind? Is it just your personal space needed to be protected? Is it privacy? We have to be able to identify what the objectable goal is. What is the goal? And then once we have that information, I think we can work backwards and say, okay, this is really more specifically what that boundary needs to be. Because otherwise we're just throwing at roadblocks, hoping it protects something and we don't even know what we're hoping to be protected from. Genius over here. I'll drink to that. Not a genius at all. I just, I, I work with children and I say very simple things and they look at me and they go, but what? I feel like I was clear. I'm not sure where we missed each other. You are clear, but also I think a lot of people, a lot of adults yes. need to hear that. Because if you're going around talking to somebody and you don't know what you want out of it, then what's the point? Then what's the point? I agree. I agree. Like, what's the end game? What's the end game? We got to know what the end game is. And I also have incorporated this, this, this ending. It's ridiculous. And it's going to make sense. I mean, it probably won't make sense, but I encourage people to try it and see how it works out for them. Let us know on Instagram. Um, how this works out for you. But I oftentimes will end a conversation and say thoughts, feelings, conspiracies, facts, fiction, all the things, none of the things. Sometimes people say, I don't have anything. And I'm like, okay, great. But I think we have these deep, meaningful conversations with people at times. And then we just kind of leave it thinking, okay, great chats. Glad we talked about it. Never really Mm -hmm. knowing if there's 100% clarity on both parts. Both parties might have said what they wanted to say, hoping that the other person picked up what they were hoping to have picked up. But it's very possible that they could have heard everything and picked up absolutely nothing. That they have no idea about anything. And I think ending with, all right, do you have any like thoughts or feelings about what we just talked about? Do you have any conspiracies about this or about other things? Because sometimes hearing people's theory, conspiracies about other things can give you a little bit of a deeper frame of reference as to where they're at mindset wise. but then just say, okay, like anything else you want to talk about? Are we all good? Like, I think it, it just solidifies and wraps up conversations when they're of the more challenging type. And so I think when establishing boundaries, I think it's always really, really good to check back in to say, this is my boundary. Do you understand why this is my boundary? Or do mm-hmm. you have any questions about it? Because I also believe that at times when we establish boundaries with people, we're expecting it to look a certain way. And then the boundary is being upheld and it's being respected, but it's not looking the way we want it to look. Then all of a sudden we're in like an emotional crisis or we're thinking this person really doesn't respect my boundaries. When in actuality they do, it's just not looking the way we wanted it to look. And so I think at times it's important to also say, this is my boundary. This is where I'm at. This is what it, I'm, this is what it looks like to me. Because sometimes also in saying that, other people can recognize, 
oh, that's not the appropriate boundary then. Like you're establishing a boundary that's going to look drastically different than what you're wanting this to look like. This is more in line with the appropriate boundary. And I think having those conversations with friends, even if you're having them with outside parties, if you're in a dating relationship and you're talking to your your best friend about establishing appropriate boundaries in that relationship, what that looks like, communication, trust, is good to also ask that question of, so you're wanting it to look like this, or what do you expect it to look like, excuse mm-hmm. me, so that there can be some clarity and some consistency. Because sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we don't know. In my mind, I am this powerful, amazing worship leader. In reality, I am none of those things. I'm none of those things. I'm none of those things. And so sometimes, sometimes in like what we think is not the reality of the situation. And so it's always good to have that outside objective and perspective. I can't. I can't <laughs> believe you just said that. It's my favorite thing to say. Someday, someday when you become a worship leader, I'm going to be like, y'all. The only way this happened is because of God. Only God. It could be no other. No other reasoning, explanation, or anything. It is truly and most beautifully a wonderful act and power move of God. Amen. (laughs) I also don't think it'll happen. God has done some amazingly great things in my life, and he will continue to do amazing great things in my life. Being a worship leader, I don't believe is his call for me. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I will continue. Are you though? I am. I will continue to lead worship at Brittany's first assembly of Hershey. I will continue to lead worship there. (laughs) It's not a problem. I'm content with playing incredibly small (laughs) in that dynamic. I'm totally fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. All right. Any last, any last thoughts about boundaries? Um, no, I don't think I have any last thoughts. Set boundaries with people. It creates freedom and and a lack of stress in relationships when everyone knows the expectations and the parameters of how people are expecting them to function. So boundaries are key. Boundaries are key. So go forth and establish boundaries confidently and boldly, but appropriately. You should definitely add that last one because I'm over here thinking, all right, so I'm going to meet someone and say you. I expect this from you and not this. Okay, thank you. Bye. Appropriately. Appropriately. (laughs) And know the context. Appropriately. All of the people, this is what I expected out of you. You failed that mission. So I'm going to have to deny your access into my life. I'm sorry. Have a great day. That would probably be the one time where I would go rogue and go the complete opposite end of what I typically am in terms of trying to provide structured guidance of like, hey, Steph, this person is off the rails. Not sure how they fit into your life. But if you would like to continue to invite chaos in every day, then carry on and be successful. I would go the opposite of that. And I would say, all of these people, please remain. Um, On behalf of the management group that is Stephanie's (laughs) life, we're saying to hold tight. Um, we're experiencing a rough momentary crisis, but we will be back to regularly scheduled programming very shortly. Buckle up for the turbulence. We will land shortly. We will we will land smoothly um, and safely because I'm not sure what's happening, but we'll get through it. So, yes, appropriately established relationships. Not acting out of emotion, but acting out of 
the core of who we are as a person. That's it. That's all I have to say about boundaries. Beautifully said. That's all I have to say. Thought. You have any thoughts? Fun takeaways? Conspiracies. Conspiracies. Thoughts, theories, questions, feelings, all of the things, none of the things before we wrap up our conversation. Boundaries. I hate them. But they're good. They are good. Why do you hate them? I don't think I've ever heard you say you hate boundaries. I hate boundaries because I'm just bad at them. Like my boundaries. I make boundaries for myself. Okay. We've had that conversation. Yes, we have had that conversation. Yes. But that's more like relationship-based boundaries. I would agree. But I guess that ties into like future episodes too. So Yes, we can we can dive into that deeper, but I I would agree. I think that's an accurate assessment of you at this point. Not that you needed me to give a stamp of approval that that's accurate, but you know, I am just throwing Thank you there. for that stamp You're of very, approval. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. I don't live for I live for the Britney approval. Um I would stamp. strongly encourage you not to. <laughs> But I'm I'm glad you did in this moment. But um, <laughs> it's a chaotic experience to have to get that the, approval. The sarcasm is strong tonight. It is. I apologize. <laughs> it is very much so. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up episode one. This is episode one because although we released an episode two weeks ago, that was episode zero. So now we're officially wrapping up episode one. So. Oh man. Thanks for listening. Follow along on Instagram at Reluctantly Graceful Podcast. We're out there. We're hanging out in the interwebs. I think you can even email us now if you really want to. Yes, you can email us at reluctantlygraceful.com. Dot com. Info. I think it's info. All right. We'll drop the information on the Instagram when we post this information about this week's <laughs> episode. Because I really don't remember what the what the email address is. Or you could just DM us on Instagram. And DM by us on us, Instagram. I mean Brittany, because she hasn't given me the login information yet. So... If you DM us, it, it's going to go to Brittany. So at least you're going to get the smart answers that you're hoping for. I will not respond without consultation. And also right after we're done recording this episode, I will give you the login information. <laughs> I forget, which is why our Instagram account is very bland looking because I, I don't I don't post. It's a problem, but I'm working on it. So I will do that. So come Tuesday when we have an episode release, our episode release and you're listening and you get to this part and you think, I think I do want to send them an email or a DM. Either one of us will respond. Maybe tell both us of us. What you, tell us your favorite part. Tell us your least favorite part. You know. And tell us a cool boundary. That's I think that'll be our question on Instagram this week. Check in on Instagram for some fun interactive components. And uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Peace. Bye.